welcome to another courageous conversation on a topic which is taboo to most people but yet i feel it's a topic that has to be discussed not just discussed but discussed threadbare which is what we want to do in this conversation and the topic is suicide and uh, i am hemmed in between two wonderful people i actually like being hemmed in between them on the one hand is a leader a very reputed leader a former ceo and he's so gracious peter samuel is so gracious to be willing to share his own personal story of suicide and uh, thank you very much and even as he shares we're going to take each of those aspects and just throw it across the table like a ping pong table to a counselor santosh and uh, santosh is willing having been aware of many such similar stories as a counselor he's willing to just discuss the nuances here and uh, take us through that so we are in for a very interesting session so we'll dive right into it uh, peter uh, i know it's long time back but it still might be traumatic to think of it how did this whole start i mean there's always a journey which leads on that perilous path of suicide where did your journey start my journey i think started when i slowly got into addictions at a very early age um Well, how early how early <laughs> early is i mean i got addicted in my uh, teens and 20s okay yeah but uh, got into uh, smoking and drinking when i was in my 7th standard 7th and 8th standard wow a lot of people think that you know if you have good upbringing good environment uh, you generally don't tend to you know get into this kind of habits but my case was different i had the best of the up- upbringing wonderful family uh, but yet i kind of um, you know broke that yeah. barrier in that sense and i got into all of this but the problem is <coughs> um, when i went to do my mba uh, that is when i think um, the kind of group that i got associated with and is broadly to do with um, no purpose okay i think for me it is just live for that one day get high and uh, you know don't, and don't bother about anything else so when you don't have any purpose and you just want to uh, you know True. do what you True. feel like doing uh, that is where it started off and uh, <clears throat> i got into you know alcoholism and for 2 years i was on to drugs as well wow yeah. and i just want to know a sense of it sorry if it makes you squirm but i'm sure there's a great uh, a uh, conclusion to the story but uh, i want to get a sense of what is how how deep were you into addiction yeah <clears throat> i was having um, you know alcohol every day wow pretty okay. much every day yeah. and you're not talking about cough mixture real alcohol yes okay <laughs> real alcohol <laughs> yeah okay yeah, pretty much every day wow so and that uh, went on for um, almost 2 years okay. before i quit i've been drinking for a long time Yes, and I'm very curious, especially when you said seventh standard. Where do you get the means to finance this? But we'll come to that. That's the <laughs> next phase. But we'll move over to the counselor addiction. Seventh grade. Are you surprised, by the way? No, ninety percent of my uh, young adult addict clients started at the average age of thirteen. Average age so of thirteen. Pretty much, 13. yeah. I was so pretty much yeah. the <laughs> same. So okay, so he's a typical client. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But back then I didn't have Santos to reach out to. That was yeah. the problem. Yeah. But the scourge of uh, addiction, you know, 
uh, it's a grim reality right parents yeah. turn a blind eye to it but kids of that age also is it a reality and what do you think uh, can be done about it it is most of it starts um, with school and friends because that's where they have easy access to it probably peer pressure gets to it on the field in the classroom wherever you go and it doesn't take much for um, an immature body and mind to get addicted almost immediately because you feel good uh, you feel better because your friends approve of it and everything has to going for it and of course the teenage rebellion against your parents if they don't True. like it you're going to do it yeah. i just want to um, horrified by a word you just used easy access sometime back there was a newspaper report the drug peddlers are right there at the school premises how real is that um that's the epitome of marketing strategy these guys go to the clients wow. so the clients don't have to go in search of what they want and if schools and colleges is where their uh, the clients are then they'll make sure that uh, they will have easy access to it so it could be the pandaba guy it could be uh, an older um, senior student in the school or someone in the hostel or somebody close by who's who's selling it and and i mean one can buy and the five of us can share it in the class so sure. uh, when i next come back to you i'll ask you about the life cycle of an <laughs> addict <laughs> right how it starts how it is sustained and how it ends but we'll come back to you so you're yeah. giving a picture that it was progressively getting worse yes it kind of That's reached right. a crescendo in your mba days yes uh, exactly but friends i, I was curious yes. so i feel an addict is one who's so hung on to it that even when they're alone without friends they need it they need that fix yeah so mm. how did it progress for you yeah for me yeah whether i had company or not i wanted it that's okay. it uh but you know as santosh was mentioning birds of the same feather flock together so <laughs> we <laughs> i i found two or three others who were into uh, you know drugs and alcohol so we all came together and okay they were your spirit filled friends yes. in the, okay okay <laughs> okay yeah <laughs> fine and then how did it progress yeah, from there yeah from from there you know <clears throat> finished my mba with this kind of uh, you know uh, habits and um, i got into a job uh, I, i when i look back i still think you know how did i you <laughs> must have been exceptionally <laughs> talented yes <laughs> i'm not sure <laughs> mm. so probably the gift of gab is what helped me okay <laughs> all said and done yeah i got into a, a, a decent job as a as a as a, my first break back in the year 1990 um but then because of this addiction the, the the way it progressed was was not right because you were mentioning about access to money mm. yeah during my childhood it was going to the kirana store and you know uh, buying vegetables and maybe uh, once a week a week um, you know meat and things like that so i always used to round off if, if i okay. spent 56 rupees uh, i always said probably 60 rupees or 70 rupees so my dad never really asked the breakup I was happy. Okay. So the remaining money is what I siphoned off to kind of <laughs> use mm-hmm. it. That's how it started. But that that's that small habit of you know, I mean that's also stealing, mm-hmm. right? Yes, true. To be very true. honest. Uh, true. All I said, my dad is yeah. This is what it I paid to get this. Uh, it's both in a sense. I'm sorry yeah. for saying, but both lying and stealing. Yes, right? absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. But I never had any guilt. Nothing at all. Uh, <clears throat> and when I got into this job. obviously 
you know i wanted to have more and then i found ways to you know misappropriate um and uh, misuse my power and actually ended up uh, in a fraud uh, you mean to say your regular means of income was not enough to no, sustain your habit absolutely no it was not okay now uh, when you want to drink almost twice or thrice a week then it's just not going to Yes, what peter is talking about pramod is mm-hmm. uh, what we technically call tolerance um anybody who's had their first peg first smoke uh, will remember how they felt but a week later a month later it won't have the same effect so you need more of the same thing mm. or something stronger something better because you're bored and this does not excite you anymore so one peg will lead you to two to lead you to a quarter and a half and a full bottle of getting drunk then you say no this is not doing so let me do some weed let me do some drugs so your body gets tolerant to the substance that you are consuming and wants more and this is a constant with all kinds of addictions be it be it uh, substance abuse or uh, behavioral addictions what you're saying is there's both a physiological and a psychological addiction that yes. that is complete yes. uh, that's when it affects you mm. so when you say misappropriate again i'm i love these facts and figures but uh, to what extent uh, were you like um, i mean and i know i'm i'm i really appreciate you for talking about it it takes great courage uh and this is a courageous conversation <laughs> yeah. but uh, to what extent uh? yeah initially you know it started off back in the year 1991 i first misappropriated 1 lakh rupees i mean that wow. means i i put up fake papers to withdraw okay a lakh of rupees okay uh, uh typically a, a false loan Well, yeah i know I but you always had the intention of probably yeah, repaying yeah intention was to pay off you know there, yes. there is this uh, the good side the good upbringing yeah. always there <laughs> doing all the bad things <laughs> but somewhere if at all you call it integrity no way it will qualify for integrity yeah. but then yeah with an intention to pay back yeah. so paying back was 1000 rupees per month so you have 1 lakh rupees at hand you are yes. not investing supposing i invested it somewhere probably i would have paid correct and then suddenly i get transferred you know from hyderabad oh. office to bangalore Okay. Now I had one more partner in crime. You know, there will always be somebody. Okay. So I asked that guy to manage here, and then in Bangalore, slowly after I settled down there, I again taken oh. another lakh and slowly started paying here. And it, I mean, you are not investing anywhere, so money will just go away. Yeah. Then the next year another lakh. So finally, it was four lakh rupees over three years. Wow. I'm talking of 1991 to 1993 end. And that's a lot of money back then and even now uh, so in on top of the addiction <coughs> you added unwittingly you added financial stress yes because mm. you know i just got caught up you know this whole uh, uh, stress of uh, how am i going to pay mm. and i'm i'm not doing anything about it i'm only finding ways to you know uh, take out more money mm. to pay back but then i just got caught up it's like yeah. getting deeper into the spider's web absolutely oh, wow. absolutely so sad financial <laughs> aspect uh, i believe it is a number one cause of uh, suicide we hear it so distressingly yes. in the papers every every now and then yes uh, financial stress is number one number two is relationships 
but if you look at across the um, um, demographics in India, uh, urban employed or be it a rural farmer, if they are lacking in finances and if they have slipped deep into debt, from which at least they think there's no coming back, uh, they figure the best thing is just to abandon all responsibility and end their lives. Uh, they won't be responsible. And with a blind hope that the family will be let off on compassionate grounds, which for most parts doesn't happen. Wow. I'm just trying to put myself in your position. What a tough situation it is. I mean, you are getting your... You need the fix, your daily dose. And then you have run up a huge amount of debts. For those few momentary uh, moments after you have your fix, uh, maybe you forget about it, but it comes back even heavier to Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Yeah? Yes, yes, yes. It was just temporary. but it was, yeah. So yeah. It's, it's kind of putting yourself more and more into a yes, burden. Yes. I'm coming to the second point. He said, uh, he said, number one is finance for people to commit suicide. Number two is relationships. So I'm just wondering, I mean, in seventh standard, it was not a huge thing. But still, you managed to keep it secret from the family the whole time? Yeah, by the twelfth standard, my dad came to know about uh, my, my habits. Uh, but then, later on, when I moved on to another city to do my graduation, and when I went on to do my post-graduation, uh, I mean, he probably felt that I kind of came out of this or he never knew that I've gotten into mm. severe addiction. Yeah. Um, so. But still, as you got deeper and deeper into it and then you're getting into debt also, there must have been some amount of fracture in the relationships, right? Yeah. At, at <clears> home. <throat> I mean, you're not being your genuine self in front of your parents Correct. who loved you so much. Yes. Uh, uh, whenever I came home, you know, since I was always away, Whenever I came home, I kind of managed to kind of stay away. It was not easy, but I used to come late night and things like that. Yeah, but okay. the, the, the relations got, relationships got strained. Wow. Yes. And uh, right at the beginning, Santosh was also mentioning the reasons. One was, you know, the, the attitude to kind of rebel against mm. your parents. Mm. So I fall into that category. So uh, I did all of this. To actually, you know, because I was brought up in a very nice environment, but I felt caged from all sides. Um, True. Uh, when, when, uh, you know, friends of my age were going and watching movies, normal, regular movies, uh, I was not even allowed to go and watch a movie. Mm. So that's where it triggered, you know. So Got it. I just used to go away uh, and uh, just to watch a movie. And then from there, you pick up these things. It was more about, because the more they were saying no, I wanted to, you know, do something uh, just to... Correct, yeah. yeah so. Santosh, have you ever come across people like that? For me also, I can identify with him. I was not an addict. But it was a strange feeling because my parents uh, were role models in society. And I loved them. At the same time, I resented that kind of expectation that was thrust on me. Yes, I've met a lot of them. Um, again... There was a season when I was getting young adult addicts for about six months. I kept seeing one every two weeks and they would come in. Most of them had 
parents who who were serving society in some form or the other the community or the church or something like that and because they were uh, in those responsible positions the expectations on their children were automatically high but what the parents didn't seem to realize is they got there in their adult life so you can't expect your child to live up to your levels when the child is some 25 30 years younger to you and has a long way to learn and uh, in fact one of my clients um was just 19 he said to my face i'm doing this just to hurt my father because he doesn't respect me at all so i get no joy in this addiction if i want to i can stop today i'm not stopping because i know that when i do this i'm hurting him the day he respects me as a person wow. ask him to just say that and if i see that even for one day i will stop then and there is what, what the child grim said but twisted psychology it is but yeah. uh, that that's the reality now let's move further closer to the climax i mean mm. we know that uh, ultimately there was a moment when you thought of ending your life yeah. so can you just lead us up to that moment yeah uh, as i said you know end of ni- 1993 for those 3 years i've kind of ended up in this 4 lakh rupees debt and obviously you know i i tried my ways <laughs> means to cover this up but i was not paying those uh, that money back to the organization by way of installments and the whole thing blew up in the beginning of 1994 so my dad was called to the corporate office and i i still wonder why was i not arrested that day because it was a crime um, uh, and uh, immediate arrest was what anybody would do um, i find it as divine intervention now um, but then i i was not um, uh, you know i was not f- following um, um god in that sense <coughs> back then <coughs> so my father uh comes to the corporate office is a retired teacher and a pastor and with folded hands he says that i will pay this money just leave my son he didn't have any <laughs> he he didn't have any any money literally uh and uh, the head of the organization just said okay you take your son and go they placed me on suspension uh and then he brought me back home and i, I mean I, i i'm just going down uh, my memory as mm-hmm. you're asking these questions my dad struggled to understand how i could spend 4 lakhs in 2 years because he was mm-hmm. never into any of these habits like correct. alcohol correct like he said what is the cost of a bottle how much do you drink how much? and back then it was 30 rupees 40 rupees the lakhs of rupees he never believed he felt probably i was into gambling i was into horse racing and things you are hiding you know something i said no 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 he said can you just you know kind of write and say per day how much are you spent but irrespective of whatever we did it didn't total up to 4 lakhs to be very Correct, honest yeah. you literally but didn't know where the money where went where the money went but but i know it that yes. it went only to buy liquor it was not just me it was others and all yeah. but on the hind side if you yeah, so the whole thing blew up um, and um, obviously it was a big shocker for my dad and the family and after 3 months uh, of this episode when the whole thing blew up and i was just at home um uh, and slowly you know uh, following him to the uh, cottage prayers that he was 
addressing and things like that and um, um i got to you know know god as my lord and savior in that sense uh then all of a sudden uh, one day when i took him to the hospital for his regular treatment the massive heart attack and he just passes away before my eyes it, it just happened it happened about 3 months after this 3 months after this it happened in we came back in january of 1994 april of 1994 and that is where you know there was a sudden death and he is the head of the family we all looked up to him and i being the eldest in my family i'm into this kind of mess nobody knew about the financial problems that our family was into except one or two uh, you know uncles and aunts of mine <clears throat> and uh, on the day of his burial uh, that is when i wow fell because there were people obviously who were close to dad who kind of pointed fingers to me and they said you are responsible for your dad's death and uh, why are you alive i mean i'm not telling that was the reason for me to think but then the very fact that you know uh, this i made a mess out of myself and lost my dad and all of that hit me um at one go and then i thought you know after the funeral that that day i'm going to end my life um yeah and you yeah. actually went forward to do no it. i i was wanting to and okay. um, um, i very uh, serious about it yes yes absolutely uh, and uh, um and again divine intervention um, uh, while there were people not many but one or two who told this that i was responsible why i am alive uh there was a man of god there were a couple of them who came for the funeral uh, there was one person who gave me this booklet our daily bread uh, okay. uh, now it is a yearly uh, you know devotion but it used to be but back then once in 3 months, months yeah, yeah i still have that copy with me wish i got it here mm-hmm. <laughs> um uh, so obviously it was printed a couple of months or maybe a, a yeah. year back uh and he places that booklet in my hand and he says peter the mantle has fallen on you go back and read what is written here and open the bible and read so after the funeral came back home and with with this thoughts of you know ending my life and all of that i took the courage of you know opening that page takes courage yeah. uh, right yes yeah. mm. uh, and uh, the title was moses is dead and it was joshua chapter 1 uh, the first nine oh. verses and uh, obviously it says talks about you know as i was with moses i will be with you be of good courage and you know take this people across the jordan so that divine intervention helped me get over the uh, you know suicidal um, thoughts thought yeah but then i didn't change overnight in that sense uh, absolutely <clears throat> but um, from then it was a journey but you changed your direction yet yes yes yeah for me to realize that i had to step in and doing what i'm doing now it took me more than a year from that intervention that day wonderful so realistic yeah. wonderful thank you for for sharing this oh. santosh guilt okay <laughs> guilt can take you in two different paths yes can either take you into a negative spiral or it can take you if you work on it the right way into a positive spiral right okay and uh, do you have cases like that where uh, people are handling guilt and uh, guilt is the one which is right there in front of them right unfortunately um in india our our culture 
like most other many other should i say um, eastern cultures is built on shame and guilt so the minute something goes wrong we don't look at the practical aspects of what happened why it happened what can we do we immediately start by shaming people mm. um pointing fingers at them and letting them know they're guilty which means we do that with ourselves as well mm. so irrespective of what in peter's case it had his habit and his debt had anything to do with his father's demise or not people will immediately say is you correct right? you must have done something because if we know this much about you god knows what else is at happening at <laughs> home and how much your father was carrying so you contributed you did this and they don't have to say anything pramod just the looks they give you that's enough it's it's enough it's to, like daggers yes and they make you feel so shameful about yourself and guilt now like you said do i take that guilt and say well i accept i am wrong here and i'm guilty of this so what can i do to better the situation or do i drown in my own guilt and try to forget it which will further take me into my addiction my habit uh, whatever i am doing to actually get here and continue doing that so that i don't have to talk to these people i'll just get drunk and sleep or i'll just overdose and try to die and these are the thought processes so guilt can take you spiraling down that way where it gets even more difficult to get out but if you accept saying yes i am guilty but mm. that's until today and i accept that and now i take responsibility for the change and in, if you notice in um, peter's case he said uh, it was lack of purpose he said i had nothing to do just get drunk roam around with friends mm. and do whatever i wanted to do and the turning point uh, that that actually um, made him sit down think for that year before deciding what to do is because now he saw purpose and, and whoever gave him that yes. um, daily bread daily bread literature obviously pointed saying well here is a purpose worth picking up following and fulfilling what a magnificent gesture that person mm. absolutely and then the timing it's is absolute kairos yes. Yes. It, it has to be god's timing that yes. at that moment someone comes and pointing now that was the beginning but the choice always was with peter mm. does he pick up the mantle does he make the choice saying it's going to be difficult people are going to laugh at me if i say i'm going to continue dad's work and uh, say you of all people yeah. mm. <laughs> right i'm sure there are other siblings somebody in your family can do a better job uh, you need at least 10 years just to wash off your current sins <laughs> that's what people do but for him to say it's okay correct and give it some thought and find purpose there uh, one of the um, sources of crisis in our lives is existential crisis i don't know what i'm doing with my life no one loves me my spouse doesn't love me i don't have a purpose at all so what do i do uh, let me see how i can waste my life away wow wonderful so purpose gives you focus purpose helps you come out of the deepest pits focus all your energies and and achieve what god set out to be your purpose in life so beautiful i let you have the last word okay <laughs> peter samuel such a reputed leader the valley which you traversed and that beautiful day of intense tra- tragedy 
was also a beautiful day of celebration because you met the person who is a giver of life yes at the crossroads of life so i let you have the closing remarks and uh, give uh, just wrap up your story in a manner that will inspire people who are looking and listening to this yeah well um, look, looks like santosh uh, knew me inside out <laughs> for the way he told yeah it was not easy uh, especially you know uh, for um, people who been with my dad to accept me yeah. uh, same thing you know i mean how do you expect a drunkard who's messed up his life to you know stand up and you know just start preaching and things like that i didn't do that obviously it took me a lot of time uh, <clears throat> but then i just want to um, um, tell one or two things that helped me big time is um, when this whole thing blew up and when my dad brought me back apart from you know leading me to the lord and you know helping me um he told one thing um because at that point in time i told my dad i'm going to serve the lord mm. he laughed at me literally he said why do you want to serve the lord you've lost your job you are in suspension nobody will give you a job just because you know your conduct is gone and you don't have anything else to do say i'll come and serve the lord the lord also doesn't want such people you know this is what my dad told me he said first prove to this world True. that you have genuinely changed that you are honest you are a person of integrity earn and earn in a proper manner even if it's 100 rupees and later on when god calls you then you serve the lord this is what uh, i know stayed with me Correct. and after that uh, you know intervention and <clears throat> i slowly started to you know journey then i started searching for jobs took up small little jobs long story uh, but every stage you know god protected me but from then on i kept him first wonderful I always kept him first uh, and it was put how how much ever yes. it was i was in a traveling job money was needed i had to pay off this debt and all of this stuff but every stage and you know there were family members who supported me later on i got married and my wife stood by me uh, in all of this and um, then god takes me to the highest level and Absolutely. there was a purpose there so that you probably yes. could remunerate me so much yes. that when yes. he calls me he says i have given up you enough at least looking at that now you come out and serve me for me <laughs> kind of a thing yeah wonderful so, yeah wonderful. Um, there were a lot of breakings friends uh, yes. um, uh, the same peter samuel who was on the verge of suicide uh, in february 2018 he reached the pinnacle of corporate success when he was named the ceo of the country the country head of uh, bacadia and uh, not only was it the ceo but he had built a most meaningful ministry that had touched several lives the reason i am wrapping up this way is we do have hope yes. and uh, we do have hope especially when you meet the right person the giver of life the person of jesus christ who met him on that fateful day of tragedy when he wanted to make it even more tragic and end his life Uh, and a turning point happened there's hope for each one of us and thank you very much uh, peter you. samuel for your story and uh, santosh for giving us and the I'm insights into that thank you very thank much you. god bless you all thank you